Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC. The road belongs to us all. My name is Alex Clements and a big thank you to the TAC for presenting this show and reminding us all that we all do our bit out on the road to make sure that we end up at our destination in a safe manner. Today on the podcast, we've got a story from Macy Stewart, the former athlete from the high performance unit in the track program, has gone on a roller coaster ride over the last couple of years through, um, I guess, being cut dramatically from the program, um, pretty much hit rock bottom. And then we talk about her her life through that phase. And then also she came, came out the other side and headed into uh, the real world outside the cycling bubble. A big thank you to our apparel partner, MAP. If you go to map.cc, they've just dropped their autumn and spring collection. Drop one is live on the website, so make sure you check that out. A fresh new range of colors. Hope you enjoy this podcast with Macy. Uh, thank, a big thank you to her for uh, sharing her story in such an authentic way, and we hope I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Stanley Street Social Podcast, Macy Stewart. It's been a long time. It has been a minute, hasn't it, Clem? Uh, I'm alive, everyone. <laughs> well, pre, well, the last two, I think we did two episodes with you over season two and three or something. But yep. um, at that point in time, Macy was everywhere, had yep. massive social following, um, coming through the ranks of the track team, contracts with pro road teams, like it was all happening. Yeah. Do you, do you miss? Do you miss? The limelight? Do you miss the the hype uh, of being the, oh, who Macy Stewart was? That's a big question to start off. I feel like hard hitting questions on the yeah, Stanley hard hitting in ways. Yes, and that's just probably more comes out in um, this constant feeling that I'll always have to be like achieving something and like going big with my life and just because I felt like I was always doing that from a young age and I had constant affirmation at me that I was doing a good job, you know. So I feel like that side of things, yeah, has been a challenge, but at the same time, like I am a different person in a really good way to what I was back like a year and a half, two years ago. Um and I feel like what I've gained from getting out of that world and just removing myself from it is just huge, like in the mm. long-term scheme of life. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if I'll ever, yeah, with where I'm at right now, still with it, I can't see myself jumping back on. But at the same time, I've got, like, an Instagram following 45,000 that I can just jump back onto whenever I want. I'll think of some sick business idea and just revamp my account and just automatically have 45,000 followers. Yeah. Be brilliant. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's a significant amount of distribution power that you had. And mm-hmm. um, I should like, you're, you're more or less off the grid. Yeah. Yep. So I have, so I deleted everything. Um, I've got Twitter because that's how I keep involved, like see cycling results and what's happening in the cycling world. That's like my little bit of an You're a passive user. Yeah. You don't. Tweet. I like, oh, I have tweeted once recently. Don't go look at that, everyone. <laughs> um, and then I have do have Facebook, but that's because my football club that I joined this year do everything through Facebook pages. Um, but I actually don't follow. I unfollowed every single person, so I don't have a news feed or anything. So I, like, can't scroll or so I still don't see what anyone's doing. I literally just have it for footy. So that's, mm. like, that's it. 
don't have a Snapchat. Did you get to a point where you got criticism? Well, no, because people had nowhere to criticize me on. <laughs> no, no, but for you, for, it's like you talk, you look look, look like um, footballers at the moment. They get peppered on social media for yeah. um, poor performances that don't approve the um, the punter that's sitting on his couch um, punching beers and eating chips. Yeah. Did you get to that point in your career where you were you um, didn't get positive feedback? Oh, not really. I feel like the the one time that I did get super like hectic negative feedback was ages ago when I did that video when I'd nearly been hit by a car and I was like super upset and it went like viral and um I got hit because it went like it just reached so many people um that I got heaps of feedback then like telling me to kill myself and like saying that they wish the car did hit me and just like heaps of things like that but that was the only time that it had been like hectic other than that Generally, people were pretty nice. And is that because it went outside of the people? I that think so. Actually, think follow it, you? Yeah, people yeah that- it went outside of like my realm, cycling realm, I guess, and then into like people who hate bike riders. So, <laughs> like, did it knock you around? <clears throat> no, nah, not really. I, to be honest, there was so much of it. I didn't. I didn't even look at a lot of it anyway. But I just sort of flicked through and saw a few. Um, no, I feel like at that point I was pretty like confident in and like there was so much positive stuff that sort of just counteracted that negative stuff like anyone who I, I've always known that anyone who writes that sort of stuff like has got some serious issues themselves so like yeah that's, who, like who goes on and like writes like go die like that's easier said than done though what normal person does that it, it, <laughs> like, but it, rationally that that is yeah that's the logic but yeah you, you see I, I don't know I never got any negative feedback didn't get much positive positive feedback either just got no feedback no No likes yeah but you um but you see that it has a genuine impact on athletes when media and they're in that space that you get absorbed into this bubble of athlete life and you've got this following that you that you continue continually communicate to it's a it's because that that becomes your like identity like and when people it just is like I don't know, people like are their social media account, I think sometimes. And that's like massive these days. And that's where people, so when people say hurtful things, it hurts them as if someone says it to you in person, which it shouldn't at all. Like, Mm. I feel like that's, yeah, that's been a massive part of my growth over the past year is just like people can't be mean to me unless they want to say it to my face, you know? And like, that's pretty rare. Yeah. Pretty rare that someone's like genuinely mean to you in person. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Because people don't have the balls to do that. They only have the balls when they're hiding behind their keyboard or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like that's one, yeah, that's one of the main things with social media. Like it's just like, and also just the image, like image side of things that's been huge for me is like, I haven't had anyone to compare myself with. So like I stopped social media like a year and a half ago in a full identity crisis after stopping riding my bike just because at that point I was not in a good way and I knew that nothing on social media was helping me be better at that point and like I've had nothing to compare myself to so I've actually like started to actually like who I am as a person and slowly feel like better about my body and what I look like and because I'm not seeing the pictures of ridiculous, like, people who have start, like, 
starved themselves and got a fake tan and have, you know. Yeah. Mm. Do you like, would you do it? So you you actively built a following and you're very successful at it. Like, would you do that again? Or if you, if you could swing back, you're an athlete again, would you go hard at social? Uh, The thing is I'd want to go, I want to get out the, like, I want to show how bad social media is to people. Cause like, I just feel like in a way, I just feel like there are so many positive things. And like, I see, especially for businesses and stuff, I see like the positive side of it definitely. And like, there are some people on there that are truly inspirational and they do get, make people inspired. But the other, I just see like there's, I feel like there's so much more of a negative impact, like in mental health issues and, you know, anxiety and depression and eating disorders and, like the negative impact is massive and like you can see that by like the young people who are seeing psychologists now at like 11. Like it's crazy. I just feel like, sorry, I'd want to go onto it to show how bad it is, but then I'm being a part of it. So I have thought about that. I have thought about coming back and being like doing it in a way that like grabs people's attention and set like just makes them like look up from their phone. But I just feel like then I'm there and I'm a part of it. So how am I like sticking to what I believe in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a weird relationship with social media. I like, I love it because it gives you the power to, you couldn't distribute this podcast or get any awareness of it without it. Yeah. But at the same time, I hate it. Like it's such a time waste. Like you said, you got the comparison element. Um, Everyone's just showing their best, their best self, which is so far from what what is actually happening. Did um, you said before you were in a dark place, What Mm. what, what happened? Um, oh, look, well, so I just, I'd sort of, when I found out that I wasn't going to the Olympics, um, it was like, I tried to switch straight onto like my road prep. I think I was doing tour down under and like road nationals and stuff. Were you like, I'm going to make the Olympics? Like you were thinking there's no um, real. Oh, I'd slowly, it, uh, look, so I was like improving, right? And I didn't stop improving at all. Like come those months come in, I was doing the best like what bike set, like the best what bike ever. It's the best. I was constantly improving. And didn't I remember Matt Gilmore saying something about did you get dropped and then brought back in? Like you were you were out of the system? No. Uh, nah. Like nah. wasn't this your second crack at it? Oh yeah, like years ago. Yeah, like I'm talking long, yeah. long, long term. <laughs> Yeah, long term, definitely. This was my second crack. Yeah. Yeah. So, pre, so like back from Junior Worlds, back when I won my world championships and went pro on the road initially at like 18, um, I was in the program then and came to train with the girls for Rio Olympics. And then dad got sick. And then, so I had like pretty much a year off. And when dad passed away, that was when I was like, okay. I've got to make it back into this program because obviously when I decided to give up, I was straight out of the program. Um, and then I was like, okay, so then I sat down with the TIS and I got like Matt, well, Matt got a crew together for me, psych, um, strength conditioning, dietitian, like everyone. And they're like, okay, this is our little project. And they're like, let's get her to Com Games and like to Tokyo. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so that's when I sort of pushed back into the program um, it was probably after Com Games because I had another big crash just pre-Com Games selection and fractured my face. 
and couldn't see for two months. Um, so then, yeah, got back into the program anyway um, and this was the second go. So then um, I got, I had a bit of a knee, in, like I had tendonitis in my knee um, coming into like selections for Tokyo and, um, but I was still like going, I think I was going the best I've ever gone. Well, I was definitely before my knee going, like before my knee started to become an issue. Um, but then, did, yeah. And did you mentally place yourself in the squad? Like, were you like, I deserve to be there? Or no. were you on the fringe? No, I was on the fringe. No, I, w- I don't think I would have made it. It would have been more like if I had to continue, like, the thing is they picked the team in November and that was the ne- the Olympics was until August. So like we, like Christina and I were still improving like so much at that point. And I'm not going to say no way that I deserve to be in that team over the girls that went no way. And like, who knows now where I could have been, but I just think I was still improving. It wasn't like, I'd plateaued and you haven't got a result in a year, like you need to go out of the program now because you haven't improved. You know, when people get a bit stale and they haven't improved, whatever, okay. Yeah. Like I was improving like so much because I'd just done consistent training for the first time in my life for a few years. Like I've had so many breaks where I've had like hectic crashes out for like six months. Dad passed away. Like I just feel like I didn't get a clean run until then and then that got cut short. And the worst thing was that – Pre that selection, I was loving riding my bike. Like end of 2019, coming into that, like I honestly believe that I was doing exactly what I had to be doing, like where I was meant to be on earth. I was doing what I was meant to be doing. Like I just felt like so, like I was killing it. I was having 10 hours sleep every night. I was doing my yoga every morning. I was training as hard as I could. Like I just felt like I was, yeah, killing it. And then that decision um so early like I don't know I just feel like I didn't deal with it I didn't grieve I tried to go straight to the road and put all my motivation into the road and then it got like pre to it and under and I just had to stop and that was when like it made me resent like I stopped riding my bike then and I haven't ridden it really very much since and I just feel like that decision so early out changed my cycling like it my cycling career ended yeah. because of that. And I feel like I never got to see, like, my potential, but I'm, yeah, I don't know. Wait, talk, me, talk to me through, like, that month of deci- that decision, like. Um, to stop? That, no, or- the decision of not being selected for the games. Oh, the so process. So Jack, that actually worked. Am I correct so- in saying that Jason Bartram was your coach? Yeah, Jace was our coach. Yeah, and Tim sort of. Oh, it was Tim our coach at that point? Uh, Tim was like overseeing. Jace was our coach. That's right. And then, um, and um, yeah, so they had, it was seven of us training, right? And then Maeve hadn't pushed up into the, like the squad yet. And she, and we're all training, like aiming for um, Brizzy World Cup, which was in December. So that's what our training, this is like in October, right? And we're training to peak in Brizzy World Cup, which is when the team was like wanting to break the world record. Anyway, so Maeve went to Oceana's and like killed her IP, like absolutely killed it. 
And so then they were like, oh, May's really good. And then they're like, <laughs> then they're like, you need to go to Glasgow in like, I think they gave me like one or two weeks and do a time to make the team. Otherwise you're done. And they gave me literally two weeks when I was like halfway through a prep for Brisbane. Now like. After being in the program for two years. Yeah. And like being riding in and out since I was like 15. Um, why, why wouldn't they just <clears throat> keep you on? Yeah. Don't know. Do you, do you know what, do you want to know the thing? I was just reading my notes, like my notes on my phone before, because mm. through this whole period, like I wrote heaps of notes on my phone about how I was feeling. And like, some of them are pretty heavy to read. Like I've, I think I've only reread them like once and I was like, whoa, like you were in a, like not a good place. Anyway, there was one and it was how I, it was the day that I'd got like actually dropped from the program, which is when my scholarship ended in April, March, 2020. And, um, and Tim had to call me and tell me that like my scholarship had ended obviously. And now like I was out of the program, but Tim didn't even know that he had to give me the call. Simon had just told him that day that he needed to call me and tell me. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And um, if, if, if um, Tim didn't call me, Simon was just going to send an email to say that you're out of the program. And um and then he didn't want me supported by the TIS. He was like, nah, she's not getting any support, like, from even the TIS. So, like, my, my thing in my notes says, like, I've gone from literally, like, training for the Olympics <clears throat> with the top squad. I didn't get selected, so I took those few months to, like, debrief that. Like, you like, didn't get selected because of – so you went to Glasgow. Yeah. Didn't. Didn't perform. Because you weren't meant to. Um, no, and I and I knew I knew after my race, like I knew the feeling, like I knew what was coming. And Jace, to be honest, Jace was really like Jace tried to be as honest as he could be. Obviously, he can only do like the people. He was a little puppet as well to the to the larger. Well, and and that was his thing. I don't know if you listened to the podcast I did with him, but yeah, that was he, the whole point. It was like at the start, it was like all about. I just wanted this yeah. clear, transparent yeah. communication. And Jake was always like he was like that. He tried his best to like, m- like, um, let us know our, what we were aiming for. You know what we had to hit to continue, sort of thing. Like he tried to keep it transparent, but it's hard when you know he gets told, "No, nah, Macy's got to go to a World Cup now in two weeks." And she's mm. and she's racing for her Olympic spot. Did you um, did you rip Tim's head off? Like what? Like what? Do nah. you, what? How do you feel when that happens? I just said, "Oh, I know. I knew it was coming. Like I knew it was coming at that point." Yeah, like, dude, look how Simon dropped people like who are great, and we like he's shattered so many people's lives. I feel like. What, what did Tim say? I was going to get dropped. I just can't, I just can't imagine delivering that phone call. <laughs> Um, I can't really remember what he said. I'm pretty sure he, I pretty, he pretty, he would have just said like, look, you probably knew, you're probably expecting this call. Like we just can't, obviously, like, I I don't even know if he would have actually said it out of his mouth. I just knew what he was saying. Yeah. But I just realized how red I am. I'm so red. Getting worked up over this conversation. I'm flustered. Sorry for (laughs) bringing back these dark times. Mm. Is um so no TIS either. 
No, so that was the thing that hurt the most, right? Because if I wanted to keep going on the road even or like keep coming back for the track after the Olympics, because at that point it's like, okay, the Olympics are about to go and then it's Com Games and Worlds and like the cycle changes. So I was like, at that point I was still like, oh, you know, who knows what the future holds. I need to take these months right now to just like um, digest everything. And then um, Matt Gilmore called me and he fought for me. Like he's amazing. Um, Surely he would have ripped some heads off. Yeah, probably, most likely <laughs> he would have tried to. Uh, he definitely had my back, but they, like Simon Jones wasn't going to allow. Well, I'm sure Tim did too because they're genuine coaches. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't want me to be supported by the TAS. He said, if you need to make it, you need to make it by yourself with nothing. But what? Like what? It doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make any sense. You, you would think that he was, he was <clears> seeing his tenure going past <throat> the four years. Obviously it hasn't. But yeah. you would think in that role, if you take all the human emotional elements out of it, like the fact that yeah. you are a, another human, yeah. if you take all those elements out of it, you would at least say, all right, Macy Stewart's not quite there yet. exactly what I want, but there's another Olympics. They don't just yeah. finish at this one. Yeah. It just The thing is, like, I was improving, like, and there were numbers to show it. Like, I was way more error than what it ever, like, yeah, and I, I was improving. I was at the top, like I was in the top seven in Australia and then I had I digested my Olympics and then all of a sudden I'd gone to not even like where I was when I was 15 years old supported, like I've gone to nothing. Like gone, done, catcher, career over. <laughs> so, so what did Matt say? Um, oh, Matt's been amazing. Matt's always been good. Like what, yeah, like, like, what, like, how does he get you back on the horse from there? He didn't. It was more just like, at that point, it was pretty much, it was up to me then. And at the moment, at that point, like I was so hurt, like, and just done with it all. Like I was just drained. Like it's honestly, it's so draining, the whole environment. Like, and that's one thing I've, don't miss is the constant level of stress that you have every day of your life. Like it is so draining just, and like, dude, we had an amazing like group of girls. Like when we were in our prime, like we were all getting along so well, we trained super hard. I felt like I was like high on life, like, but it is still a constant level of pressure and stress every day. And God, it is so good. Like not waking up stressed every day of my life. Like I can just like, breathe and I don't know it was it was yeah that was a massive relief and I think I just needed to do that for a while I rode like I tried to get back on the bike a bit and then it sort of died out and yeah and then I haven't really like I've ridden a couple times in the last week though (laughs) felt like I improved like did one ride felt like shit did the next ride felt good and I was like oh I'm back back So, so what happened when, talk to me, what happened when the roads that things started? Like, were you just riding a wave of anger? When When's that? So, after you, after the Olympic decision and then you yeah, started yeah. on the road. Which yeah, was weird because you were originally on the road. Yeah. a road pro. Yeah. And the thing is, to be honest, like, COVID's probably changed my opinion a little bit, but I still think, like, I have so much to give on the road. Like, I never, because I was always had that track focus. It was always track junior worlds. It was always track, track, track. 
and I got to do road for a little bit in the middle. But I think like if I went fully road, like that was what I loved. And it wasn't that crazy, stressful, everyday environment. Like I loved riding on the road. And I feel like that year that I raced coming back after dad passed with TIS racing team as Matt, with Matt as our director. And like I had, I really smashed road and I felt good on the road. And that I reckon that was my happiest year riding a bike because it was just like happy with a good team, a great manager and like going as hard as I could on the road. And like, I loved it. So why'd you go to the track? Because track was where the funding was and track took you to the Olympics. The big <laughs> it's, all about, old it's all about the games, Macy. It's the all Olympic about the games. games. The be all and end all of in, to life. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It? <laughs> strange. If, if only I could go back in time, hey. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially the way that Women's World Tours developed. Like it's. Mm. Yeah. Oh, look, like I'm 25. I could still go back to the road if I wanted to. But then it's like. I have to go live in Europe and right now. And it's like I feel like I've put so much effort into adjusting to like life after bikes that, okay, I go back to cycling and then I'm just putting it off for when I'm 30, however, and then I've got to deal with it then, you know. Mm. Like I've already come so far into adjusting. It's like if I go back, then I'm just putting it off for how many more years. Yeah. And then when I'm 32, I have to have a midlife crisis, not own anything, <laughs> probably don't have a boyfriend anymore. Like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice that. <laughs> yeah. And the Women's World Tour has come a long way, but it's not paying you a million dollar checks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why, why when, you, when you, they made that decision for you not to get into the pro, like, why does no one else have any power? Like, why is it? Why is it one guy? Surely there's, there was so many smart people in that program. Like there's so many smart people. Why is it just that one decision maker? And like, and isn't there also people at his level? Yeah. I don't know. I honestly, I could not tell you how it got to that point where everyone felt, I think everyone was just so scared. And like, they still are until when's his contract finished? When, when's he out? Anyway, so, I, so this is not like it's obviously not isolated. It's not not just you that got. Oh no, 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 no! There's so many people in my position, and there's so many people still involved in cycling Australia that haven't been able to speak out because obviously their jobs and their whatever's at stake. Like they're just like trying to be smart about it, but ultimately, like everyone knows what that person has done to cycling Australia, and. And just so many people's lives. Yeah. And thank God he's gone. <laughs> and that's where that's where it becomes real. So a couple of weeks ago, the news came out, the horrific, like the, the worst possible news, the horrific yeah. example, which puts the, the importance of the Olympics, like it doesn't even put it on the map when a New Zealand track cyclist took a life. Yeah. Out of, out of the NZ track program. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, do you do you understand? Like, do you have? Do you think you have an understanding of why? Definitely. Like, because and of- I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it did rock me. Like, I knew Liv. Obviously, I, I wasn't like really close friends with Liv, but I would like always chat with her when I ran into her at events and 
she was always so bubbly and happy and quite a similar person to me, I would say. I would hope that people would think I was like that too. And um, and I think the biggest the thing that hit home the most was that could have been me. Mm. Like I, thought, I rewind to two years ago and like if certain people hadn't come into my life, like if my partner Todd hadn't not met him when I did or had the mum that I have, like I don't know that I would be here either, to be honest. And like that's the thing. That's what hit home is that that could have been me. And like I was lucky and I just thought, I just feel like I'm I'm a lucky one, you know, like and I just wish to live you know, I just wish that someone came into Liv's life or I don't know. I just feel like I'd, I've always believed that everything happens for a reason, but that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You're, not, like, just, you're not just not going to the Olympics. You're like, you're spat out. Yeah. The entire structure of your yeah. life is gone. Yeah. And I just don't think people like, yeah, like I wrote in my notes, like I don't, I don't know if I've already said that, but there was one in there about like when I didn't make the team. I used to write like to get my thoughts down and it was literally like I should read a little bit of it. Get it out. I'm going to get it out. Give, it, give us the transcript. I'll just read the start of it. Hang on. Um, <clears throat> the Olympics. I wanted to make it so much I could bring myself to tears thinking about it. It became the, f- the thing I'd fall asleep thinking about and the first thing in my mind when I opened my eyes in the morning. And then it goes into really negative stuff because I hadn't made it and it gets really deep. But it's like it was honestly it's everything. Like and you get to this point because you're made to focus on it every day in training so you can push yourself to that next level. Like you try to think about it all the time because you want to be able to go harder in training. You know, you want to be have that extra motivation thinking about going to the Olympics, winning gold. And it just becomes like it's encapsulating and yeah, that I, yeah, I just feel like for me, it took someone totally out of cycling to see me for who I am as a person and not even know me as a cyclist and love me for the person I am for me not to get where we've got. But I feel like I understand, I totally understand how she felt. Yeah. It, is, it becomes, it becomes absolutely everything. Well, you lose your identity faster in track cycling. If you're, yeah. if you're a road rider, you can see the riding on the wall. You know it's a contract year. You yeah. know that things are coming up. You know that things aren't coming good. Yeah. But for you to go two weeks before the yeah. end of the line, I, yeah. I'm – this I is think, it. Yeah, the difference is too, like in track racing, especially in the, like, the Australian team as well, like it is – only the Olympics, like that's all that matters. Gold at the Olympics, you know. There's not heaps of races other than your worlds that like mean any like that is your sole purpose, everyday training. Whereas on the road, you've got like classics, worlds, there's big things or tours, like if you want to race grand tours, like if you there's huge things all the time to drive strive for. It's not just that one event that means everything. Like you've got a balance. Whereas the track like with such that firm track focus, there's like a, do you just put horse thingies on to like the Olympics yeah. and that's it, you know? Yeah. You just yeah. lose that's, all the other it's stuff. It's all about the games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about the games until something like crazy. what happen, happens. It's, until your bars snap off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
mm-hmm. and and also the the whole structure of soul focus we talked about with yeah. Jason was like it's it didn't work. No, yeah. Proofs in the the proof is there. Yeah. Did you did you tell anyone at CA? Like, did you or were you just like I just got to get this like I got to get everything out of this? I just can't uh, can't possibly deal with with where I was mentally. Did I talk to anyone? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Chris Lynch, who's like the, um, I actually, I spoke to a psych and CA helped me with getting in touch with a psych. Um, so that was good. But then, yeah, I sort of didn't continue with it heaps. Um, but Chris Lynch, who's the Pathways person at Psych in Australia now, has been awesome. And mm-hmm. I do give him like that. Thank God for him. Because he, even this week now, like, I've just quit my job and I'm actually looking for work at the moment. And this week now he's messaging me every day. How you going? How, what have you What have you looked into today? Where are you at with it? Because he knows that like, you know, I've had a hard, hard couple of months and he's just like checking in. So I feel like he is doing his job very well. Um, but people before me did not get that. Mm. And like other, like clearly live did not get that. Yeah. Um, and then Matt, like Matt isn't cycling Australia as such, but he, he was huge for me as well through everything. Yeah. yeah. So um, performance director has been fired. Yeah. Um, what, what do you want to see the next person to have? What, what, what is, what needs to change? Because obviously I assume you agree that things need to change. You can't possibly oh, yes. go on yeah, with that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, oh, look, I don't think I know the answer, but. As an athlete, as an athlete, what environment did you and did recently, um, someone sent it to me mm. that about so pretty much broke down where Cycling Australia missed the mark pretty much and what it needs. And I think he was pretty spot on. Um, it's like. Pretty much now it starts at like grassroots and support. And that's an example of that is me getting dropped and not even getting TAS funding, like being fully dropped. Like I couldn't even go back to home base. So I think just injecting more into our state institutes and like club level and more racing um, and just make it like a culture within Australia. Like people still like cycling still is, not is very small in in regards to others in compared to other sports it's because like we have no racing like there should be racing on heaps more and like just more funding into that local side of things and that's when look at like why do you think holland have such incredible bike races because they're riding bikes from when they're little and they're around racing culture and they're you know i feel like that's like it's gonna it has to start at the, the bottom to then brew into building champion athletes, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can't just whip up a, a a bloody Katie Archibald from, you know, two track races a year and whatever. Well, but also it seems like um, I actually did read Brett Aiken's post. It was exceptional. Mm. Um, I it was spot and on. And I think the thing that hit the nail on the head was um, – from a performance perspective, we're all about Brisbane. It's like, oh, about the Olympics in Brisbane. But we've just burnt out everyone that would have ridden at Brisbane. Yeah. Because they, you, for example, um, <clears throat> got cut. Well, now yeah. th- there's no one, there's no one left. Yeah. You've got the team. Yeah. 
which is all it's quite an old team, both the um, men's and women's tracks, which are in TP. And even the cultures in those teams, like I just don't think it's, yeah, it's going to win Olympic gold medals. Why not? I don't know. I just feel like some people have been in the team too long and it's just like needs some fresh faces. It needs young people, which where are they going to be because the institutes haven't had support. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see where they pull people from. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. So, Brett's post, like, encapsulated the bigger, mm-hmm. the big, big, big picture of, like, everything. Yeah. What yeah. about from just, like, a pure performance perspective? So, you, you've, you've made the track squad, whatever that looks like next year. Yeah. Like, what do, what do you need in that from an athlete's perspective to thrive? You talk about new faces. You talk about, like, how, how do you make that work? How do you build that? Yeah. That powerful in-house competition that isn't overpowering and just creates this toxic culture like how how do you get that right I think it's just changing the mentality like for the last four years like every single um you have inductions and you have like meetings coming to olympics like a year out six months out all these things and you're constantly it is put to you that we're only here to win gold at the olympics that's literally it Like, I feel like it just, I don't know, for me, I feel like I would have enjoyed a more, um, just more racing, uh, still the support, like what Chris Lynch is doing, psychology, that is a, a must these days. Like, that needs to be not even a choice. Like, I feel like that should be. And also... What they're doing with the academy, we're having people who are studying as well. I think that's huge, just having people who have something else in their life to give them purpose. And I think that's probably what this, the group that is still there now are missing because they've been doing it since they were so young. You've still got like, you've got some of the older people still there. Just getting the young ones in that have more in their life pretty much than just cycling. And I think if you dull it down to the basics, as a kid going to school, I killed like, school classes without studying at all and my friends studied so much because I was exercising I was busy doing this I was doing that I feel like sometimes the more you do and the more well-rounded you are as a person the better you are Mm. at things I just feel like more like having something else to take their mind away from it studying another interest I feel like that would create better athletes like I'm sure that German team's pursuit team all have studied something else or do something else with their lives that isn't just cycling. Yeah. But then, but they always argue like, oh, I don't have time to do it. I don't have time to do it. Yeah. Like, is, that, is that bullshit? I reckon that's just Aussie culture. I think as Australians, like, they just want to, they, they're very, we're very um, fun and social people. Like we are just fun social people. And I feel like that's the difference between like, the GB girls and jet black, they're not that like, they're so much more, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong thing, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think we live very balanced, like lives. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so how, like how, how <laughs> have you found that once you accepted that all right, cycling is done? Yeah. Was that, was that a grippy time trying to, get back on your feet 
Yeah, so I'm, I I moved to like the like this place two hours out of Adelaide in the country with my partner when COVID happened because I didn't want to be travelling around and he was living there at the time. So like I was to the point where I applied for a job at Woolworths because I was like, I've got to do something. Like surely I didn't even get it. <laughs> I'm like surely it's because they thought I was like going to leave anyway at some point. Like they knew that I was like I was like so insulted. Good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, couldn't anyway. So I did, helped you out a uh, um, in a shearing shed, rousing in a shearing shed, like out on a farm. Um, what else did I do? And then you became a banker. Yeah, and then I got a job at NAB. Yeah. So then that's been me for the past year and a half working in the bank. Yeah. And are you happier now as a normal resident of society, or is there still that urge to go back yeah I wouldn't oh I would say that I'm happier yeah Yeah. I think I think I've learned to be happier about different things you know I feel like I'm much more well-rounded individual like I have a super like super healthy relationship super healthy super healthy social life like just a good balance in my life really and I just I still have my days for sure I have my days where I have a full breakdown because I'm not doing something epic or, you know, I'm going to be nothing and I'm never going to be happy with myself. And, like, I honestly have breakdowns where I'm, like, I'm never going to be enough for my own expectations. And, like, then I get over it and I continue with my normal life, which generally on a day-to-day basis is really good. And, like, I've just learned to, yeah, appreciate. I've learned to appreciate the small things, I guess. Um, And I look forward to, you know, like owning a dog one day and I look forward to, you know, travelling when I've saved enough money, travelling like a normal person, going in a van around Australia, you know, and just doing jobs for money along the way. And, like, I look forward to having babies one day, like like normal person things. It's not like I look forward to winning 17 Olympic gold medals. It's like, but who knows? You never know what's around the corner and that could change. That could, something could pop up in my life and I could be back on your screens and in your feeds doing something epic. <laughs> like who knows? Honestly, who knows these days? Could it's, be um, it's very good to hear, Macy. And um, thank you very much for sharing your story. Yeah, no worries, Clem. Good to be back. It's good to be back. Thanks, Macy. <laughs>